Hope you're having an awesome day today. Thanks for tuning in again to the Collective Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martino. And before we jump into today's episode, which is going to be pretty awesome, it's about consciousness, it's about exploring the uh, resurgence, I guess, of consciousness and science, because uh, it was around for a while in the past. And then it kind of got just, you know, sort of systematically removed from uh, the scientific community, I guess you could say. But uh, before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that this podcast, as well as everything we do here at Collective Evolution, is made possible by support in our members area. So our members area is essentially like a, a wicked archive of like media and extended interviews and stuff like that. Because, you know, we recognize there's a challenge out there. And the challenge is, you know, when people see information in videos or a news clip online or whatever they might see, they see like a little tidbit from an author or an expert or a researcher or a whistleblower, whatever they have. Um, and then you ask yourself the question, okay, what's next? Like, you know, what, what other information is out there? What, uh, I want to know more. Um, and then, you know, you go online, you try and search forever on YouTube and in Google to try and find stuff. And the next thing you know, you're like, I don't even know where I'm looking. I don't know what the new stuff is. I don't know if this is the latest, greatest, all that sort of stuff. So we decided to take all of our interviews that we've ever done. And we've also gone out and we're continually every single week going out and getting more and new interviews with different people um, that are in the field of consciousness, of, you know, looking at ETs, looking at exploring the truth, looking at all this sort of stuff. Um, and we've decided, okay, let's put this information out there so people can get the latest greatest all the time so they're not waiting for that next book to come out and all that sort of stuff so that's all in our members area and if you want to check that out and support collective evolution plus get access to all of this amazing content head on over to cenews.tv and click become a supporter and you'll be able to check out everything we got going in there Okay, today's show, here we go. We're going to be talking about consciousness. We're going to be talking about it uh, with Arjun Wally, who I got in the studio here. Consciousness. 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 We're also going to be having guest Mario Beauregard, who's a PhD. Yeah. Uh, he's done uh, a number of different uh, things in the in the field of neuroscience. That's where his passion is. That's where his education is. Um, you know, he's moved around a number of different areas of the world uh, in Canada and the United States studying this stuff and doing a number of different experiments, both on humans, on animals, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Ultimately, his passion, you know, ended up being in the study of consciousness yeah. and the deeper realms of that, where that goes in terms of, you know, what does that mean for our world? What does that mean for our universe? What's at the fabric of it? All that sort of stuff. Um, I know, Arjun, you've been talking to him for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, just him and many others in his field, neuroscientists, quantum to physics physicists you know they're all very extremely passionate about consciousness absolutely because that's ultimately the one of the most important and underlying factors of you know our reality and, yeah. and even where science is going today which we're going to talk about a lot in the show yeah. um, which is that you know the age of material science as we know it today is not only insanely outdated in general but um, is about to change dramatically with, yeah. with the insurgence here of um, non-material science Yep, right. and we're going to be talking about that today, which is very exciting. Oh yeah, lots of this stuff. So I hope you're, I hope you have a, a good little beverage. I hope you're ready to go because it's going to be a good episode. Um, we're going to be bringing on Mario in just a second here. Um, he'll give us background about everything uh, you know he's done up to this point, so you can understand why he is an expert and what he's talking about. All right, so Mario, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into um, exploring consciousness and your, your background and diving into the science of it. Mm -hmm. Well. Uh... 
the, my first interest was related to personal spiritual experiences that I've had um, in my uh, childhood and also as a, as a teenager. Um, that, leads me to, that led me to um, study first uh, psychology at the University of Montreal, and then I, um, I received a PhD in neuroscience also at the, at the University of Montreal. And after that, I went to United States. I studied a few years uh, for a postdoctoral training at the University of Texas in uh, Houston. I was uh, back then uh, working with um, animals at the University of Montreal. I was working with rodents, and then in Texas, I was uh, working with uh, non-human primates. But my ultimate goal was to understand uh, consciousness and the mind-brain relationship. So I knew I had to study humans uh, somehow, and there was a technological advancement in the middle of the uh, 80s, and that allowed me to... Um, go back to Canada at McGill University. Uh, I worked at the Montreal Neurological Institute. That's where I did a second uh, postdoctoral training there. And I, I got familiar with uh, neuroimaging techniques and I started to do my, uh, my research with um, humans. All right, so let's pull back for a second here. We ended up losing just a little bit of this episode when we were recording it. Um, a little bit of technical difficulties, you know, those happen. But essentially what we started to talk about was defining the term consciousness, what it is, right. because, you know, there's so many different definitions out there. Is it, you know, you're awake? Is yeah. it like an awareness that you got, you know, somewhere in there? Uh, is it about recognition of self, recognition of our thoughts, all these sorts of things? But also, is it what's at the fabric of our reality? Hmm. And Mario essentially went on to say that it's a number of different definitions, but uh, a lot of what we were referring to here is referring to the side of, of you know, there's an intelligence, there's a love, there's a there's a there's a a deep you know intelligence, if you will, at the at the fabric of everything that makes up our reality, and that was kind of the big piece of what we were talking about when we were getting into consciousness here, and uh, you're going to hear a continuation of that. Uh, in just a second where he starts talking about how, you know, it, it's really ultimately like a love. It's something that he's experienced through his personal experiences and all that sort of stuff. So sorry we missed that little piece, but let's head back to the show. So it's, it's awareness, it's intelligence, but it's also creativity, uh, imagination, I would say also as another feature, and love uh, as well, because when people have... Uh, so-called uh, spiritual experiences or mystical experiences, that, this is one aspect that we experience very often. Love, unconditional love, uh, so, uh, transpersonal love, because it goes beyond the, the normal type of love experienced by human beings. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very complex uh, principle. Yeah, there are, I mean, I'm, there's so many factors associated with consciousness and it's actually really tough to define because, you know, it brings, mm -hmm. in, it brings to the table all those things. And this is all under the branch of what, um, like what you mentioned, uh, post-materialist science or non-material science. And, um, yeah, we here at collective evolution mm -hmm. write about that a lot. And I find it like, we're talking about like things like telepathy, the, you know, the, the effect of consciousness and it, the effect it has on physical material matter. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, um, I know you've been doing a lot of work in the non-material science field, obviously, and what's going on with non-material science today? What is non-material science and what kind of initiatives are going on right now to kind of bring this to the forefront? Because 
Um, I know I had a conversation with you earlier and we, we kind of both agreed that, you know, we're kind of in the beginning of a second scientific revolution here. Yes, yes, because, um, yeah, um, four years ago, uh, I co-organized a, a meeting in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and it was about uh, the emerging post-materialist paradigm. So by, by post-materialist, or we, we mean that uh, scientifically, to understand reality and human experience, we need to go beyond the limits imposed by uh, exclusively materialist and uh, reductionist approaches to, to science. That's what we mean by post-materialist. So we, uh, we organized the first meeting um, four years ago, and there were many uh, famous scientists participating uh, in various fields. So uh, biology, uh, bi there was a famous biologist, uh, Rupert Sheldrake, for instance, many other uh, scientists uh, in various fields, like I said. And at the end of the, uh, we, we examined all the the evidence for going beyond the uh, materialist paradigm, and we concluded that it was time to 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 move on to a, a new paradigm that we call post-materialist. And after that, we wrote um, a manifesto for a post-materialist science. And we published that, and uh, since then, it's been signed by over 300 scientists and philosophers all over the world, mm -hmm. and some of them very uh, famous. So that was the beginning. And last year, in August, there was a new meeting uh, in Tucson, Arizona, and we created the Academy for the Advancement of Post-Materialist uh, Science. So it's uh, the mission of this uh, organization is to um, promote uh, open-minded and uh, evidence-based inquiry into post-materialist consciousness uh, research. And many uh, of the... Um, founding members of this association, this organization, are uh, famous in their own fields. And so some of them, like uh, Charles Tart, for instance, who is an uh, emeritus professor at the University of uh, California, Irvine. He was one of the uh, pioneers in psych um, transpersonal psychology and uh, also parapsychology. Uh, we have Dean Radin, uh, Gary Schwartz, uh, Larry Miller, uh, not Larry Miller, but Larry Dossi, Lisa Miller at Columbia also, and many, many other people. And um, now we are um, preparing a book, a collective book, um, about the uh, primary uh, of consciousness, the primacy of consciousness hypothesis, mm -hmm. and uh, also the emerging post-materialist paradigm. And we will organize in the future uh, annual meetings in Tucson, and um, we will uh, try to uh, gather money to fund innovative research projects in uh, various scientific fields, but mainly related to, um, to consciousness research. Right. So um, it's, uh, it's evolving very rapidly, and um, when you talk to, to scientists uh, in various disciplines all over the planet, you realize that many of them are ready for this, but um, they are afraid to go public about this because they might, you know, be severely crit criticized or they, they are afraid of losing uh, credibility or because the, the materialist paradigm is still, I would say, dominant. But um, we're in period of transition toward the, the new paradigm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure with my colleagues that this emerging paradigm will lead us to the next uh, great scientific revolution. Definitely. This stuff is... um. 
It's very when you're looking when you're looking at things, uh, studying non-material science. You know, you're gonna dive into subjects that really, that really are gonna challenge a lot of people's belief systems. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when we're looking at like non-material science and the results that have been shown over decades, um, mm -hmm. just I wanted to ask you compared to the like hard scientists, hard sciences like engineering and you know things like that, the physics. What are, mm -hmm. you know, statistically speaking, what are the results from like um, telepathy experiments, um, you know, mind influencing matter experiments? Are they, are we seeing similar type, like very, obviously we must be seeing some strong results. Well, yes, now we are seeing very strong results because in this, uh, this field, uh, there have been um, thousands of replication studies that have been done and scientists uh, have decided to do what we call meta-analysis. So in a meta-analysis, you combine the results of uh, several hundreds or even thousands of studies to evaluate the, uh, the real, the true magnitude of the uh, effect you're looking for. And so based on these meta-analysis, we, we now know very clearly that phenomena like telepathy, for instance, or uh, mental interaction with physical systems or biologic living systems, biological systems um, are true. They do exist uh, and the, the effects statistically are not extremely high, but it depends on the population you are investigating. For instance, if you're um, investigating um, uh, with regard to telepathy, if you're studying artists, visual artists, we, we have evidence that the, um, the effect are, is much stronger because these people are um, expert at manipulating, working with mental images mm -hmm. internally. And so, so when you study uh, more expert types of population, uh, the effects are greater. Uh, Dean Radin uh, has shown that at the Institute of Neurotic Science, for instance, he has investigated the... Um, the impact of people who have meditated for a long period of time, expert meditators compared to the average uh, average people with no expertise in meditation. And the, he has shown very clearly that the effects are, are much uh, greater. So it's like if, if you're able to focus your attention <coughs> the and uh, using uh, concentration, for instance, the certain types of uh, meditation techniques, uh, if you have practiced that for a long period of time, you become uh, you, you can exert a greater impact on the uh, the physical world. And that's uh, that's one conclusion that can be reached uh, with, with certainty at this point. In um in your research, did you ever look into black budget programs? Because a lot of uh, disclosures happen with regards to parapsychology, non-material science being you know at the forefront of you know, secretive government programs like remote viewing and things like that. Did you ever look in depth into those? Well, I, I discussed with uh, some of the, the, the people who were involved in the, uh, these programs, mm -hmm. um, like Ingo Swan, for instance. He's now deceased, but he was uh, uh, an artist uh, in New York City, and he, he participated in this program, and the, he helped uh, the physicists at the Stanford Research Institute to develop the, uh, the research program that was funded by uh, various agencies uh, uh, related to the uh, American government. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and 
the, the, the results were uh, quite impressive. Uh, the, uh, the government uh, gave them about $20 million to, to do their research, and um, they did uh, hundreds of uh, studies, and at the end, uh, they evaluated the entire program, and uh, uh, one of the, um, uh, the person, the researcher who assessed the program was a statistician, very well-known statistician, uh, Jessica Hutz, mm. working at uh, University of California, and she she concluded that the results were quite significant. But um, there was other uh, another uh, researcher in psychology, Ray Hyman, a famous skeptic or pseudo-skeptic uh, researcher, and he, he refused to accept the data because it was not going... Uh, it wasn't not in line with uh, his worldview. So he was trying to explain uh, the significant findings using all sorts of uh, arguments. And uh, that's, that's how it came to an end, this, uh, this research program about remote viewing. Um, but since then, uh, there have been a number of studies that have uh, replicated the initial findings. And we now know that it's a, a true phenomenon. Yeah. But uh, there are many uh, individual differences, like uh, with regard to any other uh, types of abilities. So some people are, are better at these things, but you can also train. It's poss- it seems that it's possible to train yourself to become better also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, given that, um, you know, the, all this stuff seems to be at, I guess, the, the, the foundation, or it appears at this point, the foundation of as to what humans are able to do and capable of. I think it, um, you know, being able to train to do it and all that sort of stuff is certainly uh, something that will, that I think we're seeing. I mean, if you practice something over and over again with the remote viewers, for example, it, it comes. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, yep. I guess, just like a natural ability in a sense, do you feel that with all that's changing in collective consciousness, like when you, when you, you know, look at the fact that, you know, we have a collective consciousness where things are interconnected. I mean, we've talked about how mm-hmm. uh, things interact with various, you know, biological systems, all that sort of stuff, that there's almost this mm-hmm. this layered connectedness. As some people become more uh, in tune or aware with these aspects of, I guess you can call them abilities for now, um, does it open the door for ease of others to be able to kind of like have access uh, as well to that? What, what have you seen in that regard? Yes, it's, it's, it's very hard to, to test uh, scientifically when we speak of the uh, collective consciousness because it's not it's non-physical. But uh, personally, yes, I, I think that it has a, an impact. It's like, um, well, it's related also to the idea proposed by Sheldrake, uh, morphogenetic fields. And so it, I think it, uh, it creates uh, an opening uh, a more receptivity with regard to these phenomena, but it also allows people more people to uh, become aware of these phenomena and um, to be interested in these things um, and to want to develop this aspect of their their beings. Yeah. Did you um, did you ever do any studies on uh, near death experiences? Because I always found those extremely fascinating. Yes, um, and the you yes, know. Yes, I, I yeah yeah no yeah, go ahead that's go ahead. One of uh, uh huh. That's yes. Uh, I, when I started doing my research, I was using uh, brain imaging, like I said before. And the first thing I did was to demonstrate that, contrary to what the uh, the materialist uh, view uh, was claiming, 
mental, well, thoughts, uh, intense um, beliefs, modulating, were modulating all the time what's going on in the brain. I showed that, uh, for instance, if you have a certain type of emotion, it will be translated in your brain as uh, in the form of various chemicals, the release and production of uh, chemicals. Mm. Um, if it's a positive thought, then you will create, for instance, more serotonin, which is uh, related to mood and <clears throat> positive emotional state and uh, happiness. If you have entertained negative thoughts, it will have the reverse effect. You will produce chemicals that are detrimental for um, neurons, for instance, cortisol, which is related to stress. So it's, that's how I started. I started, I realized that what we call mind and consciousness mm -hmm. uh, were very powerful, were able to influence greatly what was going on in the, in the body. Uh, in the entire body, because the brain and the nervous system uh, are connected to all the major physiological systems in the body, like um, the immune system, the endocrine system, and so on and so forth. So th that's a, a psychosomatic effect. It's, it's within uh, the body. And then after that, uh, I was, I, 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 since I knew that there was evidence of non-local form of um, influence, mind and consciousness by non-local we mean at, at um, beyond the, the the confines of the physical body i decided to uh, investigate the uh, the near-death experience uh, especially during cardiac arrest because this is this is very interesting uh, when there's a, a cardiac arrest there's a cessation of um, the blood the flow to the brain and if you're measuring the electrical activity of this organ you will not using uh, what we call EEG or electroencephalography. You will see that the um, the the line representing the electrical activity it becomes flat within usually 15 to 20 uh, seconds. So in that kind of state, according to mainstream neuroscience, consciousness is not possible anymore, and you you cannot have mental functions like perception or memory or awareness and so on and so forth. Um, but during the last 15 years, there have been five different studies conducted in various uh, countries. Um, and these studies have documented uh, over 150 cases of people who were clinically dead. Cl clinical death is uh, when you don't have brain activity anymore, you're not breathing, and your heart is not functioning. So these people, 150 cases, uh, they were... Uh, able to uh, be aware, they had perceptions, memories, and so on and so forth, while they were clinically uh, dead. And in some cases, they were able, after they were resuscitated, they were able to uh, provide uh, veridical information regarding what was uh, happening during the period of their clinical death. For instance, the, uh, the maneuvers of the uh, the doctors and the nurses while they were attempting to, to revive these uh, patients and so on and so forth. And in some case, the information is very, very uh, precise. And um, so th this line of uh, evidence uh, indicates very strongly that it's not, the brain does not produce mind and consciousness. It, it, my, by mind, I mean uh, all our mental functions. Um, it means that 
the the brain acts more like um, an interface or a, a transducer, if you will, of consciousness and other mental uh, functions. Right. And this is very very important because the all the the mainstream neuroscience is based on the hypothesis, the assumption that it's the brain that produced mind and consciousness. And to to uh, illustrate this, we can use the uh, the TV analogy. So it's, it, for instance, if you're um, you're looking at a, a TV program, you're, you're watching uh, the news, for instance, and the the news anchor is uh, delivering the information, uh, and then you you uh, there's a an electronic uh, component that breaks down that breaks down in your uh, TV set. You may lose the uh, the visual information or the sound and so on and, and so forth. If the um, you lose all the the, the visual uh, information and the screen goes blank, does it mean that the the news anchor has disappeared and that he, uh, that he was inside or within your TV set? Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what it means. And so we can use the same kind of analogy with regard to the relationship between the consciousness, uh, the mind, and, and the brain, I think. Right, and it's um, like near-death experiences, obviously they show that, you know, there's great, um, a lot of studies here that show that consciousness might not be a product of the brain, and it's also things like remote viewing, and there, there's so many examples where consciousness might not be a product of the brain. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes. yeah, no, I just... I just find that so fascinating. <laughs> I just wanted to mention it. Yeah, but. and the TV analogy is, is, a, is a good one. I think where, where I've always been interested in this whole uh, study and like everything going on in the non-material science world versus the, I guess, mainstream world is that it appears as though there's almost been like a, a bit of a dogmatic religion uh, associated with some of what goes on in the uh, material science world because if we were to, you know, maintain the scientific method and look at the new research that is coming out out of the non-material science world that is illustrating a, you know, very high potential, of course, what matches probably most of our own intuitive feelings that, you know, consciousness does not originate in the brain, but, you know, the science is starting to show that, um, and yet you have this, this strong resistance, right, within people, mm -hmm. and, and we know that, you know, the way the ego functions, the way the mind functions, that, you know, sometimes we file away information and say, hey, you know what, this is my belief system, and, you know, it's hard mm -hmm. to break that, but I, I guess where it comes down to is, like, the implications of, you know, this being true, like, if we found out, like, you, you mentioned, you know, all of our current neuroscience is based on that, and when you think about... Mm -hmm you know, the careers that are there, the degrees that are there, all that sort of stuff associated, like the books people have written, you know, the, how that attaches to them and their identity and stuff. It's, it's, it's easy to understand why there would be such a denial of this new information. But to the everyday person, yes. the average person, if we were to begin to understand um, that consciousness, you know, does uh, uh, originate outside the brain, what is the actual like day-to-day -day implication look like for the average person in terms of how things would change or develop in our society? Oh, I think uh, it would totally transform the, the world because the, um, you don't need every single person on the planet to change for, to, to experience a global transformation. We, because for all uh, great historic revolutions during the um, history of humanity, Usually you have, uh, you know, only a significant number of people that are involved, but the, the, the mass of people, the, the general public, has to be ready for, for the new um, 
the new worldview. And um, but it would totally change the. Uh, it would validate in one way what the, uh, the great spiritual traditions have been saying for a millennia now. Um, but with the new science, the, the post-materialist science uh, emerging, we can demonstrate what the spiritual traditions have been saying for, for a long, long time. And so uh, if people realize that, for, first of all, they can greatly influence what's going on in their own body. That, that, that's the first thing, which is very important. But they, can, they are also connected to all other human beings and to everything that exists, really. Uh, um, can be animals, uh, can be trees and flowers and so on and so forth. And, uh, and this, you know, we, we can literally transform uh, the world if people are uh, become uh, aware of that um, because based on the experiments we were talking previously uh, you can you know we, we there have been in certain experiences people were entertaining negative thoughts towards for instance um, could be bacteria or plants or stuff like that and uh, scientists were measuring the the outcome and it was very negative and on the other end, if people were sending um, positive feelings or they were experiencing love or trying to send love, the results were totally uh, different. And um, they were the, the living organisms that were the, the target involved in those studies were doing much better from a biological point of view. And so now we, we know that we can very positively influence um, the external world, the other people, and so on and so forth. But we can also do the reverse because we have to be careful with what we entertain at, at the mind level, mm -hmm. our thoughts, our beliefs. Um, it gives us a great uh, responsibility. Um, and uh, there have always been people who were, who were uh, intuitively, we knew uh, this uh, throughout history, but now there's a greater uh, number of people who become uh, aware of this based on the new research, but also based on the, the changes in, like you were saying, in collective uh, consciousness, probably. Yeah, I mean, it, it appears as though we're, you know, we're going through some sort of massive shift within ourselves. And, and when we look at the world as it's been for the past, you know, say, just let's just even pick on the last hundred years for a second. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of everyone just kind of out there doing their own thing. Uh, in a lot of cases, our society has kind of built this, like, I got to take care of me and my family, me and my family, me and my family. And mm -hmm. we forget mm -hmm. about how we impact everybody else. And we see, you know, the nature of even, you know, some of the, uh, whether you want to call it the elite financial people or some of the people that are mm -hmm. pulling the strings of our world in a sense, they, they're, they're very interested in, in doing it for themselves. I just want this for me, for me, for me, for me. And that passes down into yes. a lot of collective consciousness and a lot of society. And, with the insurgence yes. of people becoming so much more aware of this kind of stuff and then now having um, the non-material science world becoming also a lot more popular, it really lends to this idea of like, you know, we are going through this shift where we're starting to actually have to take responsibility for our lives and our thoughts mm -hmm. and our actions and our state of being, thus making it hard for us to continue just in essence, robotically living through life and not really mm -hmm. thinking about our actions, which I think is kind of the great sort of spiritual, uh, I guess you can call graduation, if you want to call it that, from one yeah. you know hu human way of being to a, a radically new one. 
And I think what's so interesting about this is the idea that it's like we talk about this grand shift that's like taking place and what that actually looks like. And in some cases, we talk about, you know, minor changes in our societal structures. But, mm-hmm. you know, we always like to prepare people for this, the idea and the excitement of like everything is about to change. Well, it is changing, but it's about to change in a massive way. And, and you touched on it when you said, you know, the words, it would mm-hmm. change our whole world. When I asked you the question, you're like, yeah, it would totally transform our whole world. And I think that's yeah. something that people really need to get into their hearts because it's it's a reality right and mm-hmm. and it's Absolutely. it's a spiritual it's a spiritual shift i mean this kind of science really mm-hmm. opens the door for humanity to realize that we are spiritual type beings mm-hmm. and that alone right. has huge yeah. implications and that's why we see so much you know so many labels you know a lot of despite uh, you know all the validity behind it we still see labels like pseudoscience out there and stuff like that simply because the idea that uh-huh. we are spiritual beings conflicts with belief systems it's like another the earth is not flat type of moment you know yes yeah uh, absolutely uh, you know what well there always been uh, resistance to uh, for each of the great uh, scientific revolutions in, uh, throughout history and uh, it's it's the same thing uh, this time again. It's the, but it's a it's a normal process because, like you were saying before, the, um, the you know you have famous scientists who have based their entire career on a materialist worldview, and so the for you know egoic uh, reasons they, they they cannot accept that they've been wrong, and so and the the traditional scientific uh, culture is based you know on the, the materialist worldview and so if you you accepted the, this worldview you could uh, obtain advantages for your career and uh, recognition and so on and so forth and money and you know and uh, awards and so uh, but but it's been like that that for, for every period uh, right. of humanity, every uh, major revolution, and now for the, the 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 science of consciousness, we're at the same stage then um, when at, they were at the end of classical physics, when physicists discovered uh, toward the 1900 uh, that there were some phenomena that could not be explained uh, using the uh, traditional uh, physics physics uh, framework, the theoretical framework of classical physics. Right. And that's how emerged um, quantum physics, the, the new physics. But it took about 30 years for the new physics to become accepted. And um, I think it's the, the same thing that is happening at this stage. We're, we're in a transition period between the old materialist uh, framework and the emerging post-materialist uh, paradigm. Right. Yeah, I think and, we totally agree. Um, I guess and, and and this paradigm welcomes um, spirituality. It mm-hmm. recognizes the central importance of spirituality yeah. for for human beings. Yeah. Yeah, especially outside of you know, I guess what you could say like the re- religious confines sort of that exist today, which um, yeah, yes, is spirituality in a sense, but uh, but in a different form, more of a mind form mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, yes. I, I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking to myself, you know, um, what what's like your your passion, your your greatest desire, your reason for why you do the work you do? Like what what are you trying to sort of uh, share with others and uh, from your heart? Like what is what is that? 
well, to, to conv- now I see myself as a, an activist. Um, and what I want to uh, convey to, to people is that they are not biological robots uh, uh, totally determined by their neurons or their chemical messengers or their genes or um, uh, culture and so on and so forth. They are spiritual beings uh, having a physical experience. Uh, that's that's how I see the the world, and that they have a great great powers, great capacities, and um, that we can transform the world uh, together. Uh, to cre- that we can unite to create a better world at all levels, politically, economically, um, uh, artistically, and so on and so forth. And for for my part, I'm I'm involved in in science. That's that's my field. But the revolution we're talking about is beyond science. It's uh, it relates to all aspects of uh, human life on the planet. And uh, so, but that's I'm I'm just trying. I'm a, a player in this movement. And but um, I'm I'm doing my part. I'm attempting to to participate and to 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 in order to for this. Re- great uh, revolution, this global change to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful mission. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, as you were saying, the the not biological robots. Um, it, it brought me to this interesting question that it, there's a conversation going on. You know, so much in the mainstream, it, it's happening in a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies we're seeing. Uh, you know, the show Black Mirror has brought it forth. You know, you have you know people like Elon Musk talking about different things r- relating to uh, consciousness, and 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 it kind of brings up this question that so many people are talking about, which is, you know, the idea of can you, and we again, we see this all over the place, and I'd love to get your take on this, but it's like, can you take the consciousness from an individual, like currently within the body, and in essence, mm-hmm. it load that up on something and put it into uh, another being or a surrogate, because so many people are getting caught on this idea of like, yes. you know, we're soon going to just move into like this surrogate type reality. Yeah, where technologies of consciousness. Yeah, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, that whole end of it, like AI and diving into that. Like, what are your what are your thoughts right. on that? Oh, I, I think it's uh, totally uh, erroneous. It's a, it's a mistake. It's it's not feasible. But it's, you know, this idea, transhumanism, it's the technological extension of the old materialist uh, worldview. Yeah. Uh, but it's not possible, and I will tell you why. Because a thought, a memory, or uh, other types of mental phenomena and consciousness are non-physical. So you can, and I know these guys are claiming that they, they want to use uh, you know, complex um, you know, computers, and but... Computers are, you know, physical systems, and the so they need programmers, and the they are not uh, living beings, and the they cannot um, they cannot store thoughts, for instance, because thoughts do not have shape or form or mass or volume. They they're non-physical, so the it, it it's uh, it's doom. This enterprise is doom. Uh, Totally, from my point of view. Have you ever come and across... Our, no, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, and for other other post-materialist uh, scientists as well, yeah. Have, uh, have you ever... It, it, it was the same thing. You know, remember when they were promising, when geneticists, materialists, uh, you know, they, they were promising that 
when we knew the, uh, they were going to map the entire genome, human genome, and after that they would uh, understand everything. They would be able to cure everything and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And this was a failure too, because it was made, it was based on uh, a materialist assumption yeah. again. And this assumption is, is wrong, it's false. And so that's why the, these enterprises are, are doomed. Have, in your work all these years, have you ever come across rumors or talks or spoken to a colleague about like technologies that incorporate ESP, like a, you know, something like, imagine one day we'd have cars where we'd use our own minds to drive or, you know, something along those lines. Have, have you ever come across anything like that? No, because, uh, no, because we didn't have any uh, contact with, uh, you know, the, the people in the army or, mm -hmm. you know, because I know they are doing uh, secret experiments and, uh, but we, we, they do not report their findings that these, these experiments are uh, right. top secret. And so we don't have uh, access to the information, but uh, I suspect they're, they're, they're trying to um, fill, to, use these uh, human capacities for uh, military purposes mm. yeah. yeah and maybe you know once we you know recognize the significance of all this we'll be using things like this for non-military purposes and you know to kind of advance the human race instead of always you know trying to use it yes. for our selfish selfish desires and things of exactly. that nature um, I wanted to ask yeah, you yeah. about yeah we no go ahead mm -hmm. No, no, but that's okay. fine. But I, I was uh, about to say that um, you know we 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 should do that, yeah. but collectively we we should propose things like that collectively because we could um, by doing this if we were thousands or you know a few millions of people uh, doing the, this, for instance, to create more more peace or more happiness or more abundance for everybody, uh, we could have uh, great effects. Yeah. So we could do like uh, big scientific experiments, mm -hmm. you know, recruiting all the uh, people who are interested in these things and who want to participate to uh, to transform the world. And I think we are going to see that. And you guys, you're very well placed to do things like that, to propose things like that, because you're, you know, there are millions of people following you, and yeah. interested in in your work and. Uh, it could be possible for, you know, uh, innovative uh, scientists uh, to team up with an organization like yours to um, create things like that. Yes, that sounds yeah. extremely. But trying interesting. to counterbalance, to counterbalance what, for instance, the uh, the army is secretly trying to uh, achieve. Right, right. Yeah, we de that we've actually talked about things like that, and and hopefully that's mm -hmm. in our near future. Um, Okay. I wanted Great. to ask you about the God particle, all this stuff about the God particle. If, I mean, based on everything I've personally looked at, you know, physical reality stems, in my opinion, from non-physical reality. So I, I think mm -hmm. consciousness is required for material things to exist. That being said, mm -hmm. from that perspective, can we even find a God particle if, if most of our reality is non-physical? Like, is it even possible? And what are your thoughts on, on that whole thing? No, no. Uh, I've discussed this question with uh, physicists, theoretical physicists, and they've told me, but open-minded physicists uh, were also um, post-materialists. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they told me that it's, it's pure 
speculation, this so-called God particle, because they are trying to create all sorts of particles. The, theoretically, the, 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 you know, they the invent new particles every, almost every year, or, and that, they are trying to do that because they want to explain the entire universe based strictly on um, physical uh, phenomena. But it's, it's not working uh, very well, actually. And according to these the theoretical physicists, if you want to understand um, uh, the universe, physical universe, instead of postulating all the time new particles like, like this one, you, you, you have to you know, introduce consciousness uh, in your equations, uh, in your work, in your models, and then right. it's, it would be more easily explainable. The, 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 right, the, and, the and that's something universe. most of our pioneering physicists did. Uh, they, they were big-time mystics, and they could, yeah, not, could not look at physics without factoring in consciousness. Um, yeah, they, all the, the, the founders of um, quantum physics, yeah, that's exactly what they said. You cannot, Max Planck, for instance, uh, said that uh, co consciousness is fundamental. You cannot explain, and it precedes um, the physical matter. You know, and they, they were all, uh, they all agreed uh, upon this, but, but since then, uh, it, it has changed uh, a bit. But there are still physicists who are um, mystical, uh, scientists, and that um, they, they, they think exactly like uh, the, um, the founding fathers of quantum physics did. Right. Yeah, it almost seems like the consciousness portion of it was like systematically sort of like just pulled out of mainstream science and, and yeah. pretty much laughed at. And that's, that's kind of the interesting journey we've had over the last nine years is anytime you publish something or talk about something like this, like, like Arjun was saying, you get the, you get the, oh, it's pseudoscience or the, oh, this is just this, or this is just like, you know, airy fairy new age <laughs> stuff. But it's like, most of the people that are admired today, like Einstein, like, you know, Max Planck, like, you know, Nikola Tesla, mm -hmm. we're all intimately connected to this stuff. And so it begs the question, right. and I'm curious to get your opinion. It's like, how, you know, was this, you know, systematically removed from mainstream scientific culture and, and why? Well, it's, we have to go back to uh, about four, four centuries for that because the... You know, there was a separation of the, during the, uh, the 16th century. The, the church decided that they were going to take care of, um, you know, uh, a, a number of phenomena. But they, they left the material, so-called material or physical world, to scientists. But they, they kept uh, what, related, what was related to consciousness and mind and spirit. You know, that, that was the province of the church and the that that's how it started there was a a, a schism a division and so for after that for scientists it was it became dangerous because it was the time of the inquisition it was dangerous uh, to start talking about stuff like consciousness or spiritual experiences and so on and so forth it was very dangerous yeah uh, the, the you know, there was a scientist, even during the, uh, the 18th century, there was a scientist that was burned at a stake in Spain for having written about uh, consciousness. And I think that the, the, the scientists became fearful uh, because of that for, for a few centuries. And, that's, uh, and 
it was not very well uh, perceived within scientific circles after that to investigate subjective phenomena. So the scientists focused on the um, the material aspect of the world, of the physical world, and um, they left consciousness um, and mind and the spiritual spirituality to theologians and philosophers. But uh, and uh, during the nineteenth, the twentieth century, with the advent of new new technologies, and uh, so there was a, and also the with the um, advent of uh, psi research, and um, you know, and, and later on, Andy research research on near death experience, and so on and so forth. Then some scientists um, started to study these things um, again and um, they were less fearful but it was considered to be uh, pseudoscience but so so and, and it was taboo for mainstream science so you see the uh, the first center for consciousness studies was created in 1995 in Tucson Arizona at the University of Arizona uh, before that it was considered taboo you cannot use this word so you know it was uh, so we have evolved uh, slowly but uh, surely, but still, for the, the the mainstream science, it's it's the materialist uh, worldview is is still dominant uh, to a great extent. So we have not won the battle yet, but there's a growing number of uh, scientists in all sorts of fields who are starting to uh, challenge the the, the old uh, worldview, the materialist worldview, even in philosophy. And so you take uh, a guy like uh, Francis Cook, um, Christoph uh, Cook, for instance. He was working with, he was an associate of Francis Crick, the, the co-discoverer of the DNA structure in the 50s. And after molecular biology, Crick became a neuroscientist. He was interested in uh, neuroscience, and he, he wanted to demonstrate that all mental uh, phenomena were reducible to biological processes, physical processes. He failed, and but he greatly influenced uh, Cook, who was his uh, associate. And for a long, long time, Cook uh, was the um, he's the uh, editor uh, in chief of uh, Scientific American Mind, for instance, and very influential. So he was a Cook was a materialist for a long, long period of time. But uh, two years ago, he decided to convert himself. He finally admitted uh, that. Uh, Materialist, materialism was uh, a failure and that it would not be possible to explain uh, consciousness and other mental functions uh, by material processes alone. So, so, and now he's claiming that consciousness is a, uh, an elemental or a primordial aspect uh, in the universe. So it's a major switch and it's a sign of time because we're seeing more and more uh, scientists, even in neuroscience, in my field, doing this. So for me, it's a it's a matter of time. I think that perhaps in I don't know, I'm, in twenty years, it, the situation will be very very different than uh, from now. Yeah, and um, it's uh, ir- irreversible. We're, we're I think we um, we're in a transition, like I did between two major paradigms, and um, we won't go back. Um, yeah, I, it's the end of the uh, the old materialist worldview. Yeah, I feel like there's so many revelations it's, going on in so many different fields from, like, just even oh, yeah, the yeah. human experience, you science, health, you know, our financial system, just, you know, environmental, mm-hmm. like, 
we're going through such a special right. time right now and it's it's quite interesting yes mm-hmm. yeah definitely definitely beyond uh, you know as i always say because people you know always like oh yeah we've gone through a number of of changes like this it's like yeah but this is literally changing the fabric of everything that we're doing and it's and it's so incredible to see an exciting time to be part of for sure um you've you've uh you know, uh, let's talk about the movie a little bit, uh, the documentary you guys just mm-hmm. uh, have put out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yes, it's it's about uh, everything we discussed. Uh, it's about the new science of consciousness, uh, the, the the evidence we, we've discussed. It's about also the the creation of the um, Association for the Advancement of Post-Materialist Science uh, last August in Tucson. And... Um, it's it's uh, personal point of views from various scientists, some of them quite famous in in various fields like physics and cosmology and mm. you have medicine, biology, neuroscience, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's also about this is very interesting about personal experiences. So uh, these scientists who are the uh, founding members of the uh, this association have they have decided to um, open up regarding their own personal spiritual experiences in in the film we we see some of them talking about these experiences uh, because before it was taboo it was not possible to do that but now uh, if scientists decide or accept to go public with their own spiritual experience I think it will uh, accelerate this transition toward the new uh, post-materialist um, worldview Definitely, and um, it's something we're seeing more common, people coming forward and sharing their experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I know we here at Collective yeah. Evolution have had a few. And um, just really quickly, the movie is called Expanding Reality, and is this the proper right. website, yeah. expandingrealitymovie.com? Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, and it's a trilogy, so, so we're planning uh, three different parts. Right. And... Uh, we would, in, in, for the second part, uh, we would like you guys to be um, also um, involved in the movie, to appear in the movie. Oh. So if you're interested, awesome. just uh, let us know. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool, yeah. Um, yeah. On sp- touching on spiritual s- experiences here, would you, did you want to share some of yours? Well, yeah, yeah. If, if you're comfortable, um, I mean, I know you mentioned at the start of the oh. podcast that you've had, had a couple. Yes, oh, several, but... Yeah. Um, I've had uh, well, many, many of them. One of them was the near-death experience when I was uh, 20 years old. Uh, I was very sick at that time. Uh, I, was, I was suffering from um, viral infection. <clears throat> that um, you know, my, my brain was uh, affected, uh, and uh, I've had this experience. But uh, it, so, so you know, the classical uh, elements of this experience here. Yeah, the impression of leaving your physical body and meeting with uh, being a flight. And um, I was skeptical at that time because I thought maybe, because I was already studying neuroscience, I thought that maybe uh, it was a, an hallucination, but uh, I was given very precise information uh, that was later on confirmed in, in the physical world, in, in our physical reality. So. Um, uh, and I was greatly uh, influenced by by this experience because I've seen the I saw my my future my involvement with mm-hmm. you know the, what I'm doing and right now in the uh, coming scientific revolution and right. so that was one experience but I've also experienced uh, other types like even uh, what we call cosmic state of uh, consciousness so you 
you it's like your your small self totally disappears and you become one with the entire universe and one with the um, universal consciousness at the origin of, of the universe. So I've, I've experienced this a few times. Uh, one time it was spontaneously, and the other time um, I, I've been experiencing with uh, what we call antiogens, some substances uh, also, because I've always been interested in that as a, as a neuroscientist. And in one case, <clears throat> under the influence of one antiogen, I uh, also experienced uh, a state of cosmic consciousness for uh, a number of hours. Wow. Wow. Very cool. So, I mean, I, I think I think at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, where we are with, with consciousness, and I, I'm curious to see uh, a little bit of like a, I don't want to call it a prediction because, you know, I don't, I'm not really into predictions, but, you know, we, we see this sort of moving forward. But Timelines. If you, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you had to see this, like, if you had to just paint a picture from you, all your experience from, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, whether it's the, the experiences of your um, consciousness, uh, like when, like you were just talking about the entheogens, you were just talking about the various experiences that kind of just come on as a result of, you know, whether it's in dream states or whether it's in, you know, whatever state of being meditation, um, you know, you've, you've gained that side of real there in it experience. And then you also have the scientific end where you've been researching it. You've been talking to people, you've been looking at, Mm -hmm. um, this in real life. If you were to paint a picture, um, of like how you see the next say 10 to 20 years, just something so that people can like relate to and feel what, what, what might that look like for where we're heading as this, you know, this shift and revolution in science really pushes forward? Well, I can tell you that uh, when I started uh, as a scientist, it was, um, I started to go to uh, international conferences or to, to give lectures to uh, the general public uh, all over the planet. I started, it was, um, I think 20 some years ago, and uh, people were much less receptive, but now I'm traveling all over the, the planet. And like you were saying uh, before, I see that more and more people are receptive to this, this new science, this post-material science, and to the, 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 the phenomena that we're investigating, post-material scientists. And they are also coming out with regard to their own experience, personal experiences, spiritual experiences, or psi experiences, and so on and so forth. So, so there's a, so I'm very confident, because the, the world is changing uh, dramatically. I see that. I see that also within science, like I said before. There, there's a, a movement now. So uh, overall, I am, for, for these reasons, I'm quite optimistic that uh, the situation will be very different in um, a number of years, even in 10 years, I've seen a major difference. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic for the future because of that. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I, I think we should wrap it up here, but I'd love to chat with you quick just uh-huh. uh, just after we wrap it up. Um, but, you know, thanks thanks so much for the work that you're doing, for, you know, making the film mm-hmm. and putting that out there. We're happy to support it um, and happy to be yeah. part of, of any future work that you guys do if, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. it's an honor that you'd consider us in that way. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think we're in for, what, you know, definitely one of the most exciting times to, uh, to be alive yeah. in a sense right yeah. now. Yes, absolutely. I agree. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Mario.
All right, that's it for our show today. Thanks again for tuning into the Collective Evolution Podcast. I hope you've learned some interesting stuff today about consciousness. And I just want to remind you that this podcast, as well as everything that we do here at Collective Evolution, is made possible by our members area, which you can find over at ce.news, and then click Become a Supporter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.